0: Here we go. We welcome you to our Wednesday night. Tonight, our title is Redneck or Pharisee. Which one are you? Look at your neighbor and say, Which one are you? So let me read the verse and we'll, and we'll pray. I want to be a redneck. After this is over, you want to be a redneck. Philippians 3 and 3. Have no confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so a Hebrew, a Pharisee, and for the law. But what these things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ Jesus. Indeed, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's the paraphrase of the Apostle Paul, words who was a former Pharisee. How powerful is that? And he was delivered. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be delivered too from being a Pharisee. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this room. We thank you for those listening by podcast. But more than that, those in this room, my brothers and sisters of Church of the Harvest, speak to us, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Speak to us. Let us see the beauty of Christ Jesus in comparison to the Pharisees. We welcome your presence tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So, Pharisee, well, there was nothing fair you see about the Pharisees. They were not fair. And when you contrast them to Jesus Christ, I know that was a million dollar joke. Um, when you contrast them to Jesus Christ, it is amazing. And I just, today I was thinking about the old song, He looked beyond my fault and He saw my needs. And I just thought about the cross of Calvary, and how Calvary brought us redemption. And when you contrast the way Jesus treated people to the Pharisees, it is amazing. When Jesus came, it was God came walking, and at every turn, He turned with Uh, grace and marvelous peace and all of that it was just it's a blessing to serve jesus christ can i get an amen so pharisee is a word which means separated ones it emerged in the second century bc but i will tell you out of the gate it is the sin that jesus hates the most everyone say the sin that jesus hates the most He hated it the most the pharisees kept close to the law but they kept adding on rules to the law they didn't just take the mosaic law but they kept throwing things in that were so hard for people to live by they thought they were cut above we must not forget that they started as pious men jesus described them in luke 18 and really they did most of those things they fasted um they gave money to the church they were regarded as the truly righteous back in the days of christ And they were pious and faithful. But why was Jesus so hard on them? He never said to the Pharisees, Oh, you are greatly needed here in Jerusalem. He never said to the Pharisees, I can't imagine what Jerusalem would be without you. He never congratulated them. He never appreciated them. He was harsh. Everyone say harsh and rugged. But he was loving and patient and gracious to the woman caught into the adul- in adultery, to every man that was hurting, unlike the Pharisees who were indignant toward her, he was never nice to the Pharisees. You say Jesus always nice? No, Jesus is not always nice. He was not nice to the Pharisees. They believed in the resurrection. They believed to their practices, many that Jesus adhered to as well. But on your paper it says not a feeling, but underneath that. The Pharisees set themselves as the separate ones and a cut above everybody else. Someone say a cut above. They considered themselves to be just up here and you're down here. You might not be a Pharisee. To them, you were down here. What reasons do we have to listening to Jesus about this? His words were infallible. Infallible, that's on your paper, means without error. His judgment perfectly mirrored the will of the Father. And he did nothing except he saw God do it first. We too would be the objects of Jesus' firm words to the degree that we are Pharisees. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be a Pharisee. If Jesus was angry with them, then I have to know if I, Rhonda Davis, have Pharisaical ways, I might be answering to him as well. In Luke 18 and 19, or 18 and 9, forgive me, just a few things. We'll, we'll, we'll cut some of these through during the teaching. But this is what he says about the Pharisees. He says, They bind heavy burdens and lay them on other people's shoulders. But they won't lift their finger to help anybody. They just want to be seen. Their phylacteries broad and large, the borders of their garments, meaning when they swooshed into the temple. We'll bring up those pictures now, Austin. When they swooshed into the temple, this is the way they dressed. They had big things on their head, pointing the finger at you. They love to look, the next picture. They love to look great. And they love the oohs and ahs when people and they came into the room. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel the land to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much of a son of hell as you are. You're a blind leading the blind. Someone say, Oh, me. He said, Woe to you, you are whitewashed tombs. You appear beautifully outwardly, but inside you are dry bones and uncleanness. This is Jesus going off. Look at somebody say, he's telling them. I mean, he's going off. He didn't go off on the woman caught in adultery, but he went off on the Pharisees. Outwardly, you appear so righteous. Outwardly, you like to look so great, but inwardly is inside of you. You serpents, you brood of vipers, you will not escape the condemnation of hell. Someone give Jesus a hand. (laughs) You see, but in the beginning, the Pharisees were the good guys. They probably were motivated by love, but the process, they became judgmental and filled with contempt. Listen to me. The Pharisees were most scandalized by sins of the flesh. Jesus was most scandalized by sins of the spirit. Sins of the flesh means if they saw someone caught in adultery or someone stole something, Oh, they wanted to stone them to death. But Jesus was against their pharisaical ways. If we're more comfortable talking about how God moved yesterday... We are a Pharisee. If we can't say to God, that's why the Pharisees did not recognize Jesus. All they kept saying is what God did in the past was so much better. I get concerned at this church when anyone begins to build up yesterday like it was the infallible day of Church of the Harvest. I'm not looking for what God did in the past. I'm not looking for what God did 25 years ago. I'm looking for the new oil and the new wine and the new way the Lord wants to do something. Does anybody want to join me in that pursuit? The Pharisee could not see. It was outside their comfort zone. They could not see and recognize it was Jesus Christ because he did not show up the way they thought he would. Number one, you might be a Pharisee if you love to point the finger and say, gotcha, gotcha. If you love to point the finger and say, gotcha, you might be a Pharisee. A Christian is someone who knows he has no right to look down on others amen because we know only by the grace of god we are where we are and we don't ever want to forget what we used to be can i get an amen jesus said they exalt themselves they will be humbled but those who humble themselves will be everyone say exalted So on your uh, verse right underneath that says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. That's going to fit in a little bit later, but it landed in our worksheet right here. You see, they love to catch someone in a trap. They tried to trap Jesus in his words. In fact, it says they laid a trap, Matthew 22 and 15, to catch Jesus in his words. They also laid a trap with a woman caught in adultery. It was not as much as stoning her. It was trying to get Jesus to say something against their laws. And so they, they love to make someone get caught in the moment. We might be a Pharisee if we take glee in catching someone in their downfall. It is never the will of God to plan the downfall of anybody else. Can I get an amen? You see, if I choose the pointing of finger, Rather than let God sort out the person, I'm condemning. And Matthew 7, 11 says, the measure I measure out judgment, the measure it's going to come back to me. And I speak judgment, it's going to come back to me. If I say judgment against somebody, it's going to come back to me. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I have to wait till the day that the Lord can judge me. Saying gotcha means I'm catching the person in an act whereby they cannot deny they got caught. It's like modern paparazzi trying so hard to get an article or a book to make somebody squirm. Well, the verse underneath that from Matthew 5 and 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. Everyone say the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. How am I going to get mercy? I'm going to give it to you. And it's going to be a cause and effect. But what the Pharisees thought about cause and effect, brothers and sisters, was everything was a cause and effect. The Pharisees taught if you got sick, oh, you did something. We know you did. In fact, if you couldn't have a child in the Old Testament, they thought you would sinned against God. If, if some, you went through something, just like the disciples who had been taught by Pharisees because they were the teachers of the law of the day, and when they saw the man born blind and they said, why was this man born blind? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Jesus said neither. None of them sinned. But this happened that Jesus Christ may receive the glory from the healing. I want to tell you something. You live in a fallen world. Don't let a pharisaical spirit in this earth tell you when you get a disease or you have a car accident or something happens that you did something wrong. It rains on the just and the unjust. The difference that we have is we have a God who turns the bad into good. We have a God who heals the sick. We have a God that brings comfort and healing and wholeness. Go ahead and give him praise because it's worth it tonight. It's just like Job when his friends said all these. This probably happened because of this. You were this, and then this happened, and then that's why all this has happened. They just sat around a campfire. At least one kept his mouth shut to the end, And they said all the reasons. But when God stepped up, and I want to tell you something. When God steps up about what you have gone through, he gets the final word. And God clearly said in the end of the book of Job, my servant Job, I love that. My servant Job has not sinned with his mouth, and he has not sinned at all. We better be careful when we judge while somebody is going through something, and you better not judge yourself. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't judge yourself. The Pharisees love to find hidden skeletons in the closet. I want to tell you something. Everybody that I know has a hidden skeleton in their closet. They have something they'd like to forget. Pharisees live for the moment to trap someone. They would have looked to expose Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. They love to find them. They love to go out and trap people. And we found the woman caught in adultery. They tried, to, they tried to trap him, but the moment they did, they lost face when he came back with you without cast the first stone. You see, they considered themselves such a cut above, and the degree that we seek To manipulate someone or to break somebody open with something is the degree that we are a Pharisee. God will never call you to plan the downfall of another human on the earth, whether they know Jesus or not. Can I get an amen? In um, early, early, early days of this church, there was a man that said to me, you know, you guys call this church a hospital. He said, well, I don't want to go to a church that's a hospital anymore. I want to go to a church that's a resort. I was like, okay, there's the door. And that's what I said to this person, because I, I knew them very well. And they'd already been through everybody on staff and finally came to me. And I said, there's the door, because this church is never going to be a resort. And the day this church stops helping the wounded that he called us to when I saw him on that side of the property way back when, when we bought this property, is the day this church will no longer exist. We were not called to be a resort. We are never going to be a resort. We are always going to minister to the hurting. A hospital has the well people to care for the sick people. And Jesus said, I came not for the well, I came for the lost. Can I get an amen? Amen. And it's a Pharisaical spirit that we don't have, but others may have that listening to this podcast tonight, that sometimes want just a certain type of people to come. They sought him. But the common people, Mark 12, listened to Jesus and received from Jesus. That was what happened. Every time they opened their mouth, he refuted them. I want to tell you something what judgment is. On your paper, the next scripture, and this number one is is longer than any other one that we're going to do. Judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. For mercy triumphs over what? Mercy triumphs over what? Okay, the first part is so scary, I don't really know what to do about it. Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. It means it will be measured back to me without measure. Sometimes we think I get to withhold my, my kindness to that person because they don't deserve it. I'm, I'm not going to speak to them. They deserve to be punished. They deserve for something to happen to them. But God promises us that the mercy that we give will return to us. Think about this. Think about the prodigal son. Everyone raise your hand. You remember the prodigal son parable, very well known. Thank God that the elder brother didn't get to him first in the yard. He would have gone back to the pig pen. The elder brother had a spirit of a Pharisee. The elder brother could only see what he had done. And Let me, just, let me unpack this. You know it. We would have never known that the prodigal had been with prostitutes because it's not told. When Jesus is telling the story, the father doesn't say it, it's not written about it until the elder brother steps up and says to his father, I've been so faithful all these years. What about me? What about me? That's a Phariseeical spirit. What about me, God? I see this going on for them and that, but what about me? It's narcissistic. It makes everything about ourself and we're all tempted to put ourselves in that position. But he said, your son has been with prostitutes. He told it. It's a pharisaical spirit to know something and think everyone else should know it. Look at your neighbor and say, amen. The pharisaical spirit says, I have slaved. I have done this. I have done that. I've slaved. Who was the greatest slave in this story? the prodigal hood been the pig pen or the pharisaical elder brother who was just I've slaved I've slaved I've slaved I think the problem is sometimes look at your neighbor and smile because you think I'm getting a little rough I'm not just speaking to those people listening by podcast look at your neighbor and say it's all good it's all good but sometimes I think I would be honest to tell you in many years of ministry that spirit of the elder brother can come upon you and you think what about me who's going to take care of me What about me? Haven't you seen what I'm doing? Who's going to see what I'm doing? The elder brother made everything about him. God will often reveal, or God will often offend your mind to reveal your heart. And he offended the elder brother's mind to reveal what was inside of him the whole time. May God deliver us from one of those. Because I'm going to tell you something, prodigals don't come home to Pharisees. Prodigals come home to the father. Give the father a hand. So good, so good, so good. If we don't love people who don't deserve it, then how are we any different than the world? Often we'll say, I sentence, and and trust me, this is the longest part of the whole night. I sentence them to this. I sentence them to, I will not talk to them for three days. I sentence them to this. I sentence myself that I don't deserve the best of God for everything I've gone through. I sentence myself. To just some um, not plan A, B, C, or D. God knows what I've been and what I think. So I sentence myself to plan X because I've just missed the whole alphabet. We sentence ourselves. We become a Pharisee to ourselves. But the truth of the matter is, there are two doors. Everyone say two doors. One is a door that brings wave of mercy into our life, while the other door opens to a life of difficulties the mercy door is the door we open up for others and when we do that jesus even says i know you've been struggling with this i know you've been challenged with this and because you've given mercy i'm going to help you in this situation i'm going to give you mercy and then some someone say amen look at your neighbor and say mercy and then some powerful story before we go on to number two a quick story Chris Valentin with Bethel Church told this years ago, and it just, I wish you could tell the whole story. But his daughter-in-law had a situation with another man, left his son, had a a baby with this other man while married to Chris Valentin's son from Bethel. Chris is an incredible author and speaker. And wife left the children, went and lived with this man, had this baby. And uh, Chris Valentin said one day one of his grandchildren, who was about nine, looked at him and said, Papa, Papa. Do you love baby Willa? Baby Willa was the baby that it was living over here. The mother devastated their family, devastated them, devastated their son, devastated everybody. Papa, do you love baby Willa? And he said he looked down, Chris looked down at his grandson, and what he realized, what he was really saying was, Papa, do I have permission to love baby Willa? I know that tore our family up, but I can't help loving baby Willa to me, that is the essence of the gospel, that we can love anybody in any condition and that we can show mercy when we have every right to say, I want this person punished. But we say, you know what? Christ did not punish me. He took my punishment upon the cross of Calvary and I'm going to freely give mercy. Can I get an amen? Okay. The verse on your paper underneath that, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless your righteousness surpasses that of a Pharisee. Number two, you might be a Pharisee if you care more about others' opinions than God's opinions. Mm, 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 mm. The verse underneath that, Dr. R.T. Kendall introduced me to many years ago, someone I've studied under a lot. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and you do not seek the honor that comes only from God? The Bible says that the Pharisees were the blind leading the blind. It means I care more what you think than what God thinks. I want your opinion what's your opinion what's your opinion on this i want to know how you see this the word doxa or glory the root word is opinion seeking people's opinion i want your approval more than god's approval i value what you think of me more than what god thinks of me and when i do that everything in my life is going to be according to your opinion if you think me boxing groceries at cooks is a low life thing then I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to say, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to minister to people. I know a retired minister did that. My mama felt so bad about him. And his family said, don't feel bad. He loves it. He's retired. He gets to witness to people all day long. He feels like he can continue the work of the ministry. But if I let fear of you think, what does it look like what I'm doing in the kingdom? Pharisees wanted to be seen. Everybody needs to see me. I'm in charge. I'm doing this. And if we let that, fear of man is a snare, but the fear of the Lord, someone say the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it says those who fear the Lord will be kept safe. Remember when Jesus was telling his disciples about his crucifixion and Peter said, begin to rebuke him? I said, no, 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 that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus turned around and looked Peter in the face and said, Satan, I rebuke you. You are mindful of the things of earth, but you are not mindful of the things of God. When I let people's opinion affect me, then I'm going to think, how does it look if, if they see me doing this? Is, does this look like enough? Does this look like something good? Am I important enough? The Pharisees just wanted to be seen. The next box on your paper i think or to the right there the pharisees were not suspicious of jesus because he worked miracles they believed in the supernatural what they disliked about jesus was that he worked miracles for those who needed them instead of those that deserved them. pharisees wanted justice not mercy look at your neighbor and say you don't want to be a pharisee look at your neighbor and say you don't want to be a pharisee this is what i want to say before we go to the next point jesus went into simon's house who was a pharisee say simon The Pharisee. And when he went in, he was sitting there at the table of a Pharisee's house. And you know the story, but let me bring it to your mind because it perfectly exemplifies and demonstrates this point. And a woman comes in. She breaks her alabaster jar. She anoints his feet. She dries her tears with her hair and dries his feet. She anoints them and washes them. And the Pharisee sitting at the table named Simon. Everyone say Simon. The Pharisee. Simon says, you, if this man were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he gives this illustration. Let me paraphrase it quick into this point. Two people owe money, but one owes a whole bunch, one owes a little. And both debts are forgiven. Who's going to be the most uh, thankful? The one who owes, owed more. What he said, this woman is forgiven much, so she is thankful enough. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those that is knows I've been forgiven much, and I'm going to be thankful much. Amen? Can you say amen? And I love this, but what he says to Simon, which sometimes I do this in illustration with someone. I won't do it tonight. But bottom line, he, he's talk, he looks at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. Simon. You see, if I'm looking at you, if I'm talking to you, but I'm looking here, it's a natural instinct that you want to see what I'm looking at, even though I'm talking to you. He keeps looking at the woman. He said, you know what? When I came in here tonight, no one washed my feet. No one, and that was a thing, it was a disgrace to not wash a rabbi's feet. No one kissed me on the cheek, but this woman has done this, and she has been forgiven much. That's the epitome between one that's forgiven and remembers and a Pharisee that says, you don't know who you're touching. Number three, you feel righteous, you might be a Pharisee, if you feel righteous by comparing yourself to others. Comparing, everyone say comparing. Comparing. The verse underneath it, but I'm going to take you to that story. You can go ahead and turn because I'll take you to the story. It says, The proud Pharisee prayed this prayer. Thank God I am not a sinner like everyone else. That might be coming in Sunday morning. Worthy, I thank you. I'm not a reprobate like Michael. Thank you, Jesus. Michael's not, but that's who I'm picking on. I want to praise you, Lord, that I have done so many great things in your name this week. Hallelujah. Not like Sherry, who has been like a slug waiting on a snail, Lord. (laughs) I did not plan that, sorry. It's my impromptu ridiculousness. But that kind of makes it clear what happened. Everyone say, two men. Stay with me. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And they're standing there. And the Pharisee stood and listen to this. This is how not to pray. Right before this, Jesus tells that powerful punch of the widow seeking God. But right here, he tells you how not to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, how not to pray. And this is how you not to pray. It said, two men went up to pray, Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee, confident of his standing, prayed loudly. Now, he didn't get in trouble, Don, for being loud because, you know, you and I are loud we know that we didn't he didn't get in trouble being loud but but he was self-righteous he was praying to himself the scripture said he was praying to himself I'm so thankful I'm not like other men the robbers and the evildoers and the tax collectors I mean he just kind of makes a list right there I mean don't do that on Sunday morning the ushers will take you out no I'm just kidding um But the thing is, what he was saying is, those sins are different than mine. All ground is level at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? At the ground of Jesus. In that moment, the Father turned away. Everyone say, he turned away. We should never feel good about ourselves because someone is worse than we are. Well, I might have lied this week and gossiped and broke up friendships among other people. But I didn't rob a bank, oh, Lord. And God's like... Angels, this is so fabulous. She didn't rob a bank. She only lied. She gossiped. But she didn't rob a bank. Get the band going. Woo! That's what we think. When you compare yourself to other people, you will always find someone less offensive in your mind. God's never going to say, well, that's just great. So glad about that. We were worried. You smell like a rose up here to us. In fact, your name's been inscribed upon the wall of gold and pearl, and there's an opal in your name right now. Look at your neighbor and say, no. Shakespeare said, comparisons are odious. When we compare ourselves to other ones, and that means what they don't have or do have, it's disgusting when we do this to make ourselves look good. In those days, the Pharisees said, if we had been when the prophets did all the bad things, we wouldn't have done it. This is the boldest example of how the religious did. Jesus testified justification is through God alone and through the cross of Calvary. That day, Jesus said, the bad guy is not the tax collector. The tax collector collector stood there, and he beat his breast. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he got heaven's attention. And Jesus said, that was the good guy. It wasn't the Pharisee who was telling us all what he did, but it was a person that said, God, you know what I'm really like. God, you know what I've really handled this week. You know how unworthy I am. But because of the blood and the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and I ask mercy. That's when heaven strikes up the band. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that. So good. So good. That little line underneath that, you have a feeling, I think. Pharisees needed a parade so others would notice them. We'll get to that in a moment. Matthew 6 says, Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired because you're going to lose the reward. It doesn't mean you can't do. Well, I tell you tonight when they take down the tables, I am not going to help because I'm going to be seen and I need to sneak up here in the middle of the night and move the tables when no one sees me. And Sunday morning when we worship, I'm not going to lift my hand because God only knows whether I'm doing that to his glory or that people can see me. Hey, when the enemy used to torment me, you're just doing that so others see you. I said, well, I'll just do it bigger and better. And you know what? I do this at home. So, devil, shut up and go back to hell. Can I get an amen? Because it will continually, continually make you question your motives. But what he said to the Pharisees is, when you give, don't shout about it like the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention. Ask your father who knows secret. This, you know how you, you get a Pharisee to do something? You hire a couple of trumpeteers, trumpeters, trumpeters. I got nothing. I got nothing. And this trumpet's got nothing. Let's hire a couple of trumpeters. That means if I'm going to do something up here at the church, I'm going to Selfie just unloaded 17,000 buskets buskets (laughs) buckets at Church of the Harvest (laughs) just spent 70 hours studying on a sermon flash flash (laughs) hashtag hashtag doing the will of God servant right here now, you can take that to extreme. I, I, often I'll tell Pastor Todd, please tell me when you do something up here because I used to be the one that did everything up here predominantly except the things I couldn't move. And I'll say, please tell me what to do because he won't tell me. So I'll know that it's done when we go to checklist. It's okay that you let people know what you do. But the Pharisees wanted a parade. They wanted the swoosh of their long robes. They wanted the sound of the ohhh. There's Pharisee Thompson coming into the synagogue with his tree upon his head. He's looking so good. I bet he is giving God the glory instead. I don't know. I'm trying to rhyme. But anyway, it means if for the Pharisees, and you're not one, this is how you don't become one. If you took away the credit, if you took away the public acknowledgement, if you took away the flowers in the pulpit for them washing the dishes in the kitchen, We've never done that for any of you, but it's a, it's a goal, okay? Um, if you take away the plaque on the wall, they don't want to do it. That's a Pharisee. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are not a Pharisee. Say, you are not. Listen, but here's the deal. A person who does not feel significant will end up with all sorts of problems. We have to fix it. How do you fix it? I got it. I got it. I got it. Me, me, me. I got the answer. This is, Sorry. This is how you fix it. You find your confidence and your identity in Jesus Christ alone, not in what you do. You get your security, your identity, your confidence in Him. Then you're not blown by the wind of people's opinions or comparing yourself to others. We do what we do for Christ alone, if we are seen that's okay. There's many things we do as a group. There's many things you have to do that people know. But the thing is at the heart of us, I know if y'all stop letting me play the trumpet here at Church of the Harvest, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to find my identity in Jesus Christ. When I'm like told the little passover children that Sunday morning, when they're up here leading the church and I've got my cane in the back, you know, and I'll we'll be like mama pick it and be whipping it around. I'm going to still find my confidence in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees found their confidence in their title and what they did. But we find our confidence in Jesus. Give him a hand. Good. Okay, good. Now let's sell through this. You might be a Pharisee if number four, we do not practice what we preach. We do not practice what we preach. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, The little line underneath that, I think you have a blank. I can't remember. Yes, okay. Um, Whoops, sorry. little magic trick there. Okay, well, it's not a blank, which is great. I think I removed that. I want what you've got, not what you preach. Look at your neighbor and say, I want what you've got, not what you preach. That statement came from a Muslim that Arthur Blessed, the man that used to carry the cross around the world. He said to him, I want what you got. It's not preaching is powerful. The gospel is powerful. Sharing the gospel is powerful. But what is even more powerful? Twas not the truth you taught to you so clear, but to me so dim. But when you came to me, you brought me a sense of him. Yes, from your eyes he beckoned me. And from your heart his love was shed. And I lost sight of you and saw Jesus Christ instead. It's the way that we live. It says that the Pharisees in Matthew 23, if you want to make reference, they, they, they want others to practice and obey what they teach, but they don't follow their own example, for they do not practice what they teach. Here's the deal. None of us are perfect. I want you to say none of us are perfect. Listen to this, and, and, and hang with me. If I say God is merciful, but I show you no mercy, what is that? If I say God is forgiving, but I don't forgive you, what is that? If I say God is full of goodness, but I show you none, what is that? If I say God is loving, but I don't show you love, what is that? What does that say to you? Even the Lord, when he introduced himself, um, when he introduced himself to Moses in Exodus, the 34th division, he said, I'm going right, to go in the, the rock, uh, Moses, and I'm going to pass by and i want to introduce myself because no one else could introduce God. Who's going to introduce God? No one. No one's big enough or great enough to introduce God. So he said, here is the Lord. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. That is God. But if I don't give that, I am a Pharisee. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, we deceive ourselves. Jesus said to the Pharisees, it's not what you put in your mouth that corrupts you. You keep cleaning the outside of the cup. You keep putting on your big phylactery and all that. But what happens is in the heart, that other picture, Austin, I forgot it. This is what it looks like when someone comes to the feet of Jesus Christ. This is what, that's Mary Magdalene when they were going to stone her from the passion of the Christ. That's what it looks like when someone says, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your mercy. I'm not going to try to clean up the outside, but I need you to change my heart, oh God. Make me more like you. If you believe it tonight, give Jesus a hand. Change my heart. Let that be my posture. Don't let it be of a Pharisee. An an interesting story. Everybody knows Jonah and the, but the cool thing about Jonah, just a second here, because I can't pass it up. The Lord brought this to my mind. I thought, whoa, whoa. God tells Jonah, you know, he he runs away, but he finally goes to Nineveh and says, 40 days, God's going to kill all of you. Well, the king believed him and the people grieved. You can look it up. They even put mourning cloths on their animals their cows and their dogs and their donkeys and their goats had to wear mourning clothes. I would love to have a picture of that when we get to heaven. And they just mourned and they said, "Maybe if we repent, God will forgive us." And God did forgive them. Everyone say God did forgive them. God forgive them. And then Jonah got so mad. This is what he said. Oh, this is why I ran around to Tarshish away from you because I knew you. You are gracious You are merciful. You are slow to anger. You can hear his, and you're abundant in loving kindness. And it displeases me. I prophesied they'd be dead, and you've forgiven them. Wow. Wow. But I've been there a little bit before, haven't you? I've been there a little bit before. I've been there, maybe I didn't say it, but maybe in my heart. I mean, I get kind of opposed this week even by someone, Lord, said, have you truly forgiven me? See, here's the deal. Jonah went to the east side of the city, and he went out there, and he, he got a place to keep him in shade. And it, this is what the Bible says. The Lord had pity on Jonah, and the Lord prepared a plant to be a shade for him. Here he's mad at God, and it says he went and sat on the east side of the city to watch to see what would happen. Maybe God will change his mind and just destroy all of them, just like I prophesied. Ooh, This plant that was prepared for his shade, it says God did to deliver him from his misery. Everyone say deliver him from his misery. This is so beautiful about God. Jonah is acting like a spoiled brat. I've been there. I've done that. And how merciful is Father God? How merciful he is that he says even in this moment I'm going to protect you. But then the Bible says the next day a worm came out. And ate the plant. And a wind came and knocked everything around. And Jonah's just sitting there and he says, I want to die. I want to die again. I'm angry with you. And the Lord said, you had pity on that plant for which you have not labored or made it grow that came up in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there's more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand or their left? That is your merciful God. We want to be like him and not be like a Pharisee. Can I get an amen? Number five, you might be a Pharisee if you take yourself too seriously. Too seriously. If you take yourself too seriously. The verse above that said, We should measure ourselves by the word of God instead of others. Instead of dealing with sinfulness of our own hearts, which is painful, we usually find someone nearby and judge them, and that's what Jonah was doing. This is what I want to say to you, and I want you to listen to me. I take ministry very seriously. Pastor Hunt, you say, you act like every Sunday that you preach, is like the Super Bowl. I mean, you're in there hours. You're addicted to the gospel. He thought it was hilarious. I mean, I would always be with him at night, you know what? But he just said, you just work so hard. I said, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I said, my gifts flow best that way, but I take, I take ministry so serious. Tonight, I took... I'm not being a Pharisee. Now we got to watch what we say. I just want to say it to myself. You might be a Pharisee if you tell people how serious you are about preaching. Um, but I do. I do try to entreat every situation I'm with one person or whatever very seriously. I take the Word of God very seriously. I take the ministry of the church very seriously very seriously, but I'm learning to not take myself so seriously. Because when you take yourself so seriously, you're going to rise and fall on how you think people see you. You're going to rise and fall how perfect did that sound? I exponentially discussed the transfiguration of the Lord on a dominant moment of the intercontinental missile that went over my head. I mean, that, that word sounded is so great, that makes me feel great, or can we learn to laugh at ourselves? Can we learn to laugh at our mistakes? The Pharisees thought they were the remnant and they had pressure on them. They were offended when they thought they were passed over. They took themselves too seriously. Look at your neighbor and say, don't take yourself so seriously. Listen, God is serious about you not taking yourself so serious. He is serious about it. The world is on my shoulders. If I was not keeping my home together, it would crumble and be destroyed. If I wasn't doing this at the job, that corporation would go down the tube. And we put everything on ourselves. Listen, I'm a woman who's experienced more yokes I've put on myself. I have a sermon on yokes and mantles I've not preached in years, but it came out of my own horribleness. I feel like the yoke was on me to fix people. The yoke was on me to do this and to do that. I had to be this, I had to be that. And my mama used to always tell me, honey, you're going to have to get more grace in your life. If you don't learn to laugh at yourself, you're going to count yourself out. Because if I didn't know how to laugh at, my, at myself, I wouldn't do 85% of the things I do. Sometimes you just need to laugh at yourself. Sometimes we feel like I'm holding everything together. You're not holding anything together. Jesus Christ is holding everything together. Colossians says, In Jesus, the world. Right now, if Jesus would say, Stop, world. The planets would be abolished his word that he spoke before time began is holding the planets in motion when he speaks to them again they will crumble and the earth will be destroyed Jesus Christ is holding everything together I can do my best but that's all I can do and I want you to say I can do my best but that's all I can do and sometimes if you think you're holding personal experience here of pharisaical ways If you think you're holding things together, he may give you an opportunity to see how very much you are not holding things together. Through that, you will grow, but he will allow you to see. This context of this thing, and we're going to move on, is about Elijah, which most of you have heard that. He says, I've been zealous for the Lord God that's on your paper of hosts. I alone am left. It is me alone. I'm the only one on the planet that really prays. I'm the only one that really believes God. If it weren't for my prayers, this church would be destroyed. I'm the only one that does this. I'm the one that does that. I've already kind of exaggerated that. But that's what Elijah was saying. And God said to Elijah, you know what, buddy? I've got how many? Anybody want to guess? I think it's 8,000. You can check me. 8,000 or 7,000, I can't remember, who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Sometimes in the moment, we take ourselves too serious. We think it's all on me. It is not on any of us. It is on Jesus Christ alone. We can do our part, but at the end of the day, he makes the difference. Someone say amen. At the end of the day, he makes the difference. At the end of the day, he fills in the gap. At the end of the day, he does what's best. My sister told me when I was pregnant with my first child, Courtney, she said, Rhonda, all you can do, because she had two little ones, do your best and let God fill in the gaps. And I never forgot that. And I've remembered it my whole life. Number six, you might be a Pharisee if you have thought of anybody else through this teaching but yourself. You call another one a Pharisee. You might be a Pharisee. This one used to kill people in the early years when I did it. If you you call another one a Pharisee, like tonight, if anyone else came to your mind but you, you might have some Pharisaical ways. Because sometimes the Pharisees could only see, and if you've got an instrumental, Austin, if you'll show him maybe one of those that I use. I think there's Pastor Rhonda's closing music somewhere. Sometimes it's easy to say, here's what I want to say to you, and I want to read this the way it came to me today. God saved us. We don't deserve to be saved. God was simply kind, good, and merciful. He saved Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee, and named him Paul. And Paul never got over it. He thanked God as best he could as long as he lived. If God could save Paul, he can save anybody. If he could save that Pharisee, he can save me. Can I get an amen? And if he could save you, he could save anybody. Why did he do it? I don't know, and I probably will never know. But I know one thing. I want to spend the rest of my life thanking him that he had mercy on me. We're not done. i got to tell you a story, but I want to spend the rest of my life. In fact, just lift a hand and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's Wednesday night. Just lift a hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here I want to tell. Talking about Paul, a former Pharisee. We'll close. Hey, there was 20 other ones I didn't put in here tonight. A lot of you might be a Pharisee statements. And I was inspired by one of my mentors years ago, Dr. Kendall, on this. So in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, Paul being a former Pharisee, was in Philippi, which is today's modern Greece beautiful country never been but seen pictures they were on their way to prayer one day in Acts 16 just, just track with me just a minute and we'll come back to your point just put your pens down and listen they were having great success but there was a slave girl who had a spirit of divination she could call out things about your life and it was from the devil it was from Lucifer she had a spirit of demons and she could show you things about your life that you didn't know about and she was making her owners bunches of money. I mean, bunches of money, because people were paying. Just show me what my future will be. All of a sudden, she sees Paul and Silas, and her sixth sense kicks in, Are the demons charging her, and she begins to yell. These men are servants of the Most High God, telling you the way to be saved. Servants of the Most High God. Servants of the Most High God. And she's following them for three days yelling at This is fantastic marketing. I mean, this is a syndicated horoscope column Say, Follow T.G. Jakes. Follow Ta- Pastor Todd Haggard. I mean, this is great. Do this. And Paul could have exploited this girl. And the Pharisee in him from his former days would have exploited her because it made him feel good. These are servants of the Most High God. They know she can read people's mail. Listen to them. Listen to them. He could have exploited her. It's like Paul just got to a moment, and he'd had enough, and he turned. He said, I rebuke that evil spirit out of you. And when he did, the spirit left. And when the spirit left, the owners lost their money because she couldn't tell anything because it was by divination, by demonic spirits. And now she's a Christ follower. The owners were furious. They seized them. They were thrown in prison. You're probably recognizing the story. The Sitting there in a cramped prison of gloom, cold metal, bites, In their mouth achy bones blood taste of copper and here they are reward for doing good we could have just let her follow us for days we could have let her given us that advertisement i mean this is a day of marketing get yourself out there on social media make a name for yourself wow this is what we get for doing good they didn't say that what would we do what would you and i do in that moment in vengeance anger self-pity what about me what about me What about me? I'm in jail. Everybody's going to think I'm not great. I'm not being seen what I'm doing. No one knows what I'm doing. What about me? But they didn't. They didn't. They began to what? They began to sing. They began to rejoice in the Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor for all things are created by you. Praise your holy name. And I could just sing and sing here and make you all just miserable. (laughs) But they just sang the praises of God. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And everybody's listening like, what's going on here? They're in jail, and they're praising God. They're in jail and they're not speaking negative. They're not worried about how they're seen. They're just all oh, glory to King Jesus to suffer with you. Thou art worthy. I exalt thee, Jesus. I exalt thee. You are worthy, Lord. The other prisoners are like, what is going on? Everyone usually comes in murmuring and screaming and foul cursing, and all of a sudden, you know the story. The singing and the praise. God sent an earthquake and he shook up the jail. And all the chains fell off of everyone. But that's not the big miracle. That's pretty big, but that's not the big miracle. The jailer goes to kill himself. The jailer that had clamped the chains on them knows that he's going to die. So he raises his sword to kill himself because he thinks they've all escaped. And Paul, who used to be Saul, Paul... A Christ follower who used to be a Pharisee. A Pharisee would just run out the front door, got to get home and get looking good for everybody sees me. But Paul said, wait a minute. Do not harm yourself. Do not harm yourself. We are all here. Okay, we understand that Paul and Silas are there, but why is everybody else still in there? I mean, this is a prison break. Why are they all in there? Wouldn't they refuse to seize an opportunity? to get out of prison. But who's we? It's the other prisoners. It's those who sat and listened to two men singing in their pain, singing as blood crossed their body, singing in a moment that things looked so bad and all they could say is, I exalt thee, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I praise you. I wonder when they didn't succumb to the voice of complaint, it caused those prisoners to say, there's something going on here. There's a God who makes art from junk. There's a God who does great things. There's a God who makes hard things good. So we're not going to leave in all the prisoners. I am going to say to you, what we need to say to our children that makes us non-Pharisaical, what we need to say to the world is, I'm still here. Yes, I've gone through a lot of stuff, but I'm still here praising the Lord. Yes, I've had my heart broken, but I'm still putting my confidence in Jesus. Yes, I've been through a trial, and yes, I've been through a hard time, but you're still going to see me praising him. The world needs to see a church that will say, despite and in spite of whatever we go through, we are going to continue to offer praises and faithfulness and steadfastness and commitment and tenacity and endurance unto Christ alone. Give Jesus the biggest praise. Come on, give Jesus. Our children need to see that, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Our children need to see that. That's the testimony of a former Pharisee who didn't take an advantage of a marketing scheme. That's the testimony of a former Pharisee who said, you know what? I'm going to praise the Lord. Number seven, the transformation in the apostle Paul's life from Pharisee to Christ ambassador is clearly seen in Acts 16, 16, when he refuses to seize the opportunity for his own advantage. And here's the kicker. If it involved another one's loss. I want us to read this box together. Don't put your paper. Let's read this box together. That means I refuse to take an opportunity. Help us, Holy Spirit. King Jesus, this is you boy, we need help in being you. I refuse to seize an opportunity for your loss. The box says, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And the impact of an encounter with the spirit of Christ and Paul and Silas caused him to seek the God whose love inspired thankfulness, no matter what. The God who can subdue the hardest heart, the God who can put into the hearts of captives compassion for their captor. Pharisees blocked the entrance to the kingdom of heaven but the servants of Christ, they open wide the door and say, come, come, come into the ways of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you. This word convicts me above all others. Lord, we've had some fun, but it kind of was a sting to me today. And some things are a sting because we don't want to be these. We don't want to be a Pharisee. We don't want to have Pharisaical ways. Lord, Of these points that have been made tonight, only you, Holy Spirit, can follow us. Follow me into my home as you're so, so good at doing. Would you remind Rhonda Davis? Would you remind every person in this room when they're tempted for these Pharisaical ways? On this Easter week, when we come to recognize that it was the Pharisees that put you up for the crucifixion. It was the Pharisees that drove the Roman rulers to crucify you. It was the Pharisees who were after you from the minute your feet hit the ground as an adult. Lord, let us be those Christ followers that open wide the whosoever gate and welcome people and love them and entreat them and be Jesus with skin on that we can enlarge heaven and diminish hell. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. You can give the Lord a hand clap for his word tonight.